Good morning. Good morning. Is everybody stuffed with turkey? Yes. <laughs> Hopefully we can still praise God and give thanks to him. We're, as you can see, we're a little bit different this morning. Uh, due to the holiday and some other things, the singers are taking a vacation day. So we're going to run this a little bit differently. We're going to join some of our uh, more liturgical friends in which the service leader, when the songs come up, he goes and sits down with the congregation. So we're just going to follow the instruments and I'll join in. I'll play a little intro and then pause and you can come in after the pause. So hopefully you can, can give it a try now and let's lift up our voices and welcome the spirit here. As Linda's coming up, we also want to give Linda a big thank you, because in Wayne's absence, she did all the hard work of getting this, the words up on the screen for us this morning. Thank you. So hold the thanks, because you may find a lot of errors. We'll, we'll see how we made it through this adventure, and it has been an adventure. We don't anticipate seeing Wayne here, though, for several weeks because he did have full-on open-heart surgery, cracked the ribs, open heart. So not an easy deal. Pray for him. So I think it has to do with caroling at the nursing home. 
So they are trying to put together an event, but I'm not sure exactly when it is, so start watching for that. We may send you out an email if you're interested in going caroling. And, and this is, I believe, at the nursing home that we visited a couple weeks ago. Um, so keep, keep that in mind. Um, I don't think that there's any other announcements, so I'm gonna pray for us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do praise and thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, that you give us seasons of the year and that we're entering in uh, to this fall and early winter season of uh, praising you in, thank in Thanksgiving and then looking forward to celebrating your birth and um, go getting into the season of Advent. We praise and thank you for each and every one of the people that are here today. We ask your blessing and your blessing on Pastor as he brings us your message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. You know, as they were mentioning that the singers were taking a break this weekend, as I was driving past this church on the corner, there's no cars in the parking lot. And then the sign on the billboard says, no services this Sunday. I thought, that's a little odd. Wisdom comes from above, yes. The pastor and his wife both have COVID. Oh, that's why. Oh, thank you for that. So if anybody was planning on attending there after this service, please note that they're not open for business today. <laughs> so wisdom from above. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. Today there is more knowledge in the world than ever before. Would you agree? Yes. Computer or fiber optics, their cables can transmit information in a millisecond to any part of the globe. More facts have been discovered in the last 100 years than all the other centuries of human history combined. Yet the same time frame has also recorded the most devastating wars and fiercest genocides in human history. Sad statement. We have never been farther from solving our basic problems. The Bible says there are two kinds of wisdom. First, there is the wisdom that is given by God, a wisdom that views life in terms of eternity. Of this wisdom, the scripture says that the wisdom that is above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. The second wisdom is the wisdom of the world. This wisdom excludes God and his moral standards from human decisions and seeks to solve society's problems apart from him. Would you agree? Yes. But where has that gotten us? Which kind of wisdom will you choose? And then also which wisdom will you seek? The hope for today there are people who show great wisdom who don't have a college degree. The opposite is also true. True wisdom comes from God. This is where you can say amen. Uh, let it be certain that we are making decisions based on the right kind 
of wisdom. And continuing our service and continuing to think about thanks this week, we can also worship his majesty. So if you care to rise, we will sing majesty. continue by singing our thanks.
Good morning. It is so wonderful to see Cheryl Curtis here. Praise God. And Ernie and Ann. And I'm not sure who, that looks like a relative though. Hi, Brad. Welcome. And Glenn's in the back, and Tom is here. That's so nice to see everyone. Maureen. Hi, Maureen. Okay. Uh, I'm going to read from Psalm 121. Shall I look to the mountain gods for help? No, my help is from Jehovah God who made the mountains and the heavens too. He will never let me stumble, slip, or fall, for he is always watching, never sleeping. Jehovah himself is caring for you. He is your defender. He protects you day and night. He keeps you from all evil and preserves your life. He keeps his eye upon you as you come and go and always guards you. Thank you, God. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this day and for this opportunity to come before you to pray, to pray for the needs of this church, those who were uh, requested today, those who are listed on our prayer page, and for unspoken requests. Father God, I pray for your wisdom and forgiveness of our sins and for our church, Desert Gardens. Father God, may your will be done in all of these things. We thank you and we praise you, and it's in Jesus Christ's holy name that I pray. Amen. It's nice to see you all out there. I'm going to read from Psalm 19 this morning, verses 7 through 14. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. That's an apt prayer, isn't it? with the words of my mouth and the meditation in my heart. Would you stand with me and we'll recite the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, we forgive our debts. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Greet one another, please, in the name of the Lord.
continue and we can give thanks. And the best way we can thank, give thanks is following Jesus wherever he leads. So we'll now sing where he leads me. The New Testament reading this morning is from Hebrews, the fourth chapter, verses 8 through 13. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his work as God did from his. 
Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let us bow our heads and thank God for our wonderful gifts. Lord, we come to you with praise and thanksgiving for the blessings that you bring to us without measure, blessings of comfort, blessings of plenty, and blessings of the good people that you bring to our lives. Fill our hearts with the joy of returning those gifts to those in need. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. The title of my sermon this morning is Living the Psalms, Part 2. Our text this morning will be Psalm 120 and 121. Last week, we did a uh, standalone study of Psalm 63. This week, we're commencing a study on what are called the Songs of Ascent, or you could call them the Psalms of Ascent. Psalm 120 through 134 are the Psalms that many believe the children of Israel would sing and pray as they journeyed to Jerusalem for the three pilgrim feasts they would celebrate each year. I've had the privilege to travel to Israel twice, and uh, one particular trip we had been in Judah, and we were coming back from Judah, ascending to Mount Zion. And even on the highway, it was a thrill, and I couldn't help but think of these psalms. But Mount Zion, Jerusalem, is the highest peak in all of Israel. So during these feasts, the children of Israel, no matter where you were coming from, you were ascending to Jerusalem, thus songs of ascent. When on this pilgrim journey, Isaiah proclaimed what a person's mindset should be. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3 from the message. Come, let's climb God's mountain and go to the house of the God of Jacob. He will show us the way he works so we can live the way we were made. Can I hear an amen? amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this is our prayer this morning. Show us how you work. Write on our hearts your love, your grace, your every commandment that we may live the way you made us. Speak to us, Father, through your word this morning. Encourage our hearts. Strengthen our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. One aspect of the society that we live in, which is particularly 
harmful to Christians is the assumption that anything worth living can be streamlined into a weekend seminar. We live in an instant society. And therefore, we assume that if something can be done at all, it can be done quickly and efficiently. But this mentality is not the way of Christ. The Songs of Ascent are a collection of 15 psalms which can teach us the way of Christ. But to properly assimilate these truths, we need patience and a very focused study. We need to remind ourselves that the disciples sat under Christ's ministry day in, day out, face to face for over three years. And even so, they were dumbfounded at his ascension. Why are you leaving us now? As though Christ had not told them again and again and again, I must go that the comforter may come. But you and I would have done the very same thing. We would have stood there slack-jawed and dumbfounded. Why are you leaving us now, Lord? In the late 19th century, there was a German philosopher who, despite being a renowned atheist, coined a phrase that capsulizes what the Christian life should be. Friedrich Nietzsche said this, the essential thing in heaven and earth is that there should be a long obedience in the same direction, which thereby results and has always resulted in the long run as something which makes life worth living. Nietzsche despised Christians and anything to do with the Christian gospel. Therefore, when he spoke of this long obedience, what he was really saying is, if you Christians lived what you believe, you would be disciplined enough to live out everything Christ taught. Nietzsche repudiated Christianity's compassion for the weak. He exalted human willpower and formulated the idea of a moral superman who could rise above the restrictions of ordinary morality. Hasn't happened, never will. He believed that nothing transcends man's morality. Therefore, mankind must will themselves to a higher and purer morality. And just think, 30 years later, here comes Adolf Hitler. Nietzsche died in 1900. Nietzsche said the exemplary human being must craft his or her own identity through self-realization and do so without relying on God or even the idea of God. Nietzsche is most famous for this quote. God is dead. God remains dead and we have killed him. How shall we comfort ourselves, the murderers of all murderers? That which was 
the holiest and mightiest of all that the world has yet possessed has bled to death under our knives. There's a certain truth there. Nietzsche said, belief in the Christian God has become unbelievable. Has become unbelievable. And why would he say that? Because we who call ourselves Christians don't live what we say we believe. Discipline is not something associated with the American Christian these days. Slide one, please. How many Christians do you know go around quoting St. Paul? Particularly this quote. In this race which I run for Christ, like an athlete I punish my body, treating it roughly, training roughly, training it to do what it should, not what it wants. Otherwise, I fear that after enlisting others for this race, I myself might be declared unfit in order to stand aside. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Denying self is the toughest part of the Christian life. It requires discipline. Thus the name disciple. Slide two, please. And what did Jesus say about discipleship? Matthew 16 from the Living Bible. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to be a follower of mine, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For anyone who keeps his life for himself shall lose it. And anyone who loses his life for me shall find it again. What profit is there if you gain the whole world and lose eternal life? What can be compared with the value of eternal life? For I, the Son of mankind, shall come with my angels in glory, the glory of my Father, and judge each person according to his deeds. Here Jesus explains the paradox of discipleship. To lose one's life is to find it. To die to self is to truly live. To deny oneself is not to lock yourself away in a monastery or a convent, but to simply put the interest of God's kingdom first and foremost in your life. To take up your cross and follow Jesus does not mean to endure irritating burdens, but to renounce self-centered ambitions. Renouncing self merits eternal life and the fullest experience of the kingdom of God. Renouncing self guarantees Jesus' promise in Matthew 10 verses 9 through 10 from the message. I am the sheep gate. These are Jesus' words. I am the sheep gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for will freely go in and out and find pasture. A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of.
Can I hear an amen? Psalm 120 teaches us how to call upon the Lord in our troubles. It teaches us that we can even complain to God if we're completely honest. Slide three, please. Psalm 120. I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him and he answered my prayer. He may not have answered expressly what you asked, but he did answer it. may not have answered it in the way you wanted it answered, but he did answer. Rescue me, O Lord, from liars and from all deceitful people. O deceptive tongue, what will God do to you? How will he increase your punishment? You will be pierced with sharp arrows and burned with glowing coals. The lies the world tells us are often very factual. Have you noticed that? Very factual. Yes, we have global warming, but why? There are no errors in what the media tells us if you take them at face value. However, if you read between the lines, you will find distortions and falsified data. But reading between the lines and digging deep reveals that the lies we hear from mainstream media are enormous because they tell a tainted truth that denies everything about our origin and destiny in Almighty God. They talk about the world without telling us that God made it. They tell us about our bodies without telling us that they are the temples of the Holy Spirit. They instruct us in love without telling us about the God who loves us so much he sacrificed his only son on our behalf. Psalm 120, verse 5. How I suffer in far off, far off Meshach. It pains me to live in distant Kedar. I'm tired of living among people who hate peace. I search for peace, but when I speak of peace, they want war. All you have to do is look at the evening news. Meshach and Kedar are the same warring neighbors Israel has had for time in memorial. When we try to follow Jesus, we find a host of warring neighbors. <clears throat> Excuse me. People who resist anything that has to do with God. From E.H. Peterson. A person has to be thoroughly disgusted with the way things are to find the motivation to set out on the Christian way. As long as we think the next election might eliminate crime, establish justice, and fix the economy, or another scientific breakthrough might save the environment, or stave off the next pandemic, or another pay raise might push us over the edge of anxiety into a life of tranquility, we are not likely to risk the arduous uncertainties of the life of faith. In other words, until life's uncertainties are unbearable for us, we're not likely to consider 
a life of faith. Peterson goes on to say this, well-meaning people have told us that the Bible is useful, and so we pick it up, we adapt it, we edit it, and summarize. We then use whatever seems useful and apply it to our circumstances however we see fit. We take charge of God's Word, using it like a toolbox to repair our lives and forgetting what we want. But we aren't smart enough to do that, nor can we be trusted to do that. The author of this book we call the Bible has written us into his story. We don't write him into ours. We find ourselves in his book as followers of Jesus. And Jesus calls us to follow him and we obey or we don't. We don't know enough to apply anything from God's word. Therefore, our only task is to obey. Believingly obey. Discipleship in simplest terms is obedience. And obedience yields the patience acquisition of virtue. But most Christians have little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship, a long obedience in the same direction. And this is what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. And what is holiness? I've told you this before. Holiness is wanting God and nothing else. When you accomplish a tunnel vision for God, you will arrive at holiness. Slide four. Psalm 121 from the message. I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No, my strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and the mountains. He won't let you stumble. Your guardian God won't fall asleep, not on your life. Israel's guardian will never doze or sleep. God's your guardian right at your side to protect you, shielding you from sunstroke, sheltering you from moonstroke. God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. He guards you when you leave and when you return. He guards you now. He guards you always. God's your guardian right at your side to protect you, shielding you from sunstroke, sheltering you from moonstroke. The King James translates this, the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. So what's Moonstroke? It's not the 80 movie, 80s movie starring Sharon Nicholas Cage. Ancient pagan beliefs held that a person who suffered from fatigue and anxiety could become mentally ill from the malign of the influence of the moon. That's the word, Moonstroke. Today we call this lunacy. And what's the root word? Lunar. Verse 7, God guards you from every evil. He guards your very life. 
He guards you when you leave and when you return. He guards you now and always. He hates Peterson. None of the things that happen to you, none of the troubles you encounter have any power to get between you and God or dilute his grace or divert his will for your life. Romans 8, 28. The only serious mistake we can make when illness comes, when anxiety threatens, when conflict disturbs our relationships with others, is to conclude that God has become disgusted with our meandering obedience and decided to let us fend for ourselves for a while. Or that God has gotten too busy fulfilling prophecy in the Middle East to take time to sort out the complicated mess we've gotten ourselves into. The most serious mistake we can make is supposing that God's interest in us waxes and wanes in response to our spiritual temperature. In 1 Samuel 15, we get a glimpse into the hapless, undisciplined life of King Saul. You remember King Saul, right? The king who was so jealous of David that he was constantly trying to kill him. 1 Samuel 15, 22 through 23 from the Living Bible. And Samuel said to Saul, Has the Lord as much pleasure in your burnt offerings and sacrifices as in your obedience? Obedience is far better than sacrifice. He is much more interested in your listening to him than in your offering the fat of rams. For rebellion is as bad a sin as witchcraft, and stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. And now because you have rejected the word of Jehovah, he has rejected you from being in this story, God had given Saul very explicit directions. God told Saul to destroy the Amalekites, every last living being, and destroy their sheep and oxen. But Saul had a better idea. What does Saul do? He spares the life of the Amalekite king and takes the choice sheep and oxen and offers them to God as a sacrifice. Saul justified in his own mind what he thought would be acceptable to God in lieu of doing exactly what God said. In other words, Saul shook his fist at Almighty God and said, no, I'll do what's right in my sight. But don't judge King Saul too harshly because we do the same thing. We too tell God that we have our own ideas about how he should be worshipped. So rather than spend time with God basking in the glory of his presence, we toss some money in the offering plate and call it good. And all God really wanted was for you to sit at his feet and just fellowship with him, to enjoy his presence. And it never crosses our mind that God actually enjoys us. 
actually enjoys our intention, our attention, enjoys time with us, thrills to the sound of our voice, finds affection in our attention. This is what we read last week from St. John's Revelation, where Jesus is admonishing the church at Ephesus. Jesus speaking. I know how many good things you are doing. I have watched your hard work and your patience. I know you don't tolerate a sin among your members, and you have carefully examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have found out how they lie. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting, yet there is one thing wrong. You don't love me as you did at first. God's love language is obedience. Write that on a sticky note and paste it on your refrigerator door. God's love language is obedience. You're a child of the king, and this king delights in his kids. He wants you to spend time with him. I had the privilege to... Uh, travel up to Phoenix and uh, visit with my youngest daughter. She bought, uh, brought her uh, boyfriend along for dad's approval. There's no question she intends to marry him. <clears throat> but it was a joy. It was an absolute joy to spend time with her. She lives in the far off North Dakota. It's rare we get a chance to get up there. But this king enjoys his kids. We talked about Enoch quite a bit in the past few weeks. I want to ask you this. What do you remember about Enoch? What's his claim to fame in Scripture? He walked with God. He walked so closely with God. God took him home. He never tasted death. God delighted in that friendship so much, they just took him home. Enoch was a close friend of God. He made God smile. This is our quest this morning. This is our life's purpose. And if it isn't, it should be. To walk with God, to walk so closely with him that he calls us to walk so closely with him that we make him smile. This is our goal. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, there are so many things that vie for our attention and our affection these days. Sadly, it is so easy to lose our focus on you. It's so easy to get in, distracted in the course of our day. We're so busy. Help us, Lord. Clean out our ears so that when you speak, we hear you. Open our eyes that we may see you. Open our hearts that we may let you in. And we ask it, Father, in Jesus' name.
Amen. For my benediction this morning, E.H. Peterson again. There are two biblical designations for people of faith that are extremely useful. Number one, disciple. Number two, pilgrim. Disciple, in the Greek, methetes, says we are people who spend our lives apprenticed to our master, Jesus Christ. We are in a growing, learning relationship, always, always. A disciple is a learner, but not in the academic setting of a schoolroom, but rather at the work site of a craftsman. We do not acquire information about God, but skills and faith. Pilgrim, peripodemos in the Greek, tells us we are people who spend our lives going someplace, going to God, and whose path for getting there is the way, Jesus Christ. We realize that this world is not our home and thereby we set out for the Father's house. Thomas questioned Jesus, saying, Master, we have no idea where you're going. How do you expect us to know the road? And Jesus answered, I am the road. I am the truth. I am the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. John 14. In Hebrews chapter 12 from the message, St. Paul defines our program or what our program should be. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Amen. In closing, uh, my wife and I were watching a special on YouTube last night. Uh, Parkside Church in Cleveland, Ohio. Their pastor is Alistair Begg. He is a marvelous Bible teacher with a very thick Scottish brogue. But he said this uh, after he had been honored for at least an hour. His response was uh, striking. He said this, we are each and all better together. This is why God ordained and established the church. Because we are better together. Blessings to you all. And we will close by singing a prayer that God be with each one of us throughout the following week until we gather here once again.
His grace be with you.